Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yui, let's talk about the game that IGN just gave 1 out of 10 to. I can't remember the last time that they went that low on something. Um, but the game that's on everybody's lips and not in a great way right now is The Day Before. Something that I recently um, put in a list of various games that, you know, it was just called 10 video games that definitely exist because I didn't believe in The Day Before. And now that it's finally come out, something released. Um, but, and this is all kind of happening in real time as we're recording this, we're doing the podcast, we're going to put this out as a news video as well. And um, various things are happening in regards to just how how I'm going to use the word scam. A lot of people are the, the, the potential criminal activity, etc. That's been happening around this game. We'll see when all the uh, the chips finally land. Um, but there's a lot of aspects to this, whether it be the volunteer workers that actually helped make the game across last year. They weren't paid. Um, they were given cool rewards, participation certificates, and free codes instead. I love cool rewards. I know, especially when I'm making a game for someone else that they then get to cash in on. Um, but yeah, it's worth sort of doing a, a very quick roundup on what the hell the the, the day before is and then I'll mention everything that we have to this point um, but like I said it's like I said it is very much unfailing right now the team uh, behind the game fantastic or fantastic fantastic you know um, I'm just going to say to interject there but no. it's very fitting that an unfinished game ha- doesn't have a finished word it's like the development <laughs> title it's like a, the, the first warning sign was there all along yeah they couldn't even get the uh, the title out of early access it was just, who it needs was the A who <laughs> even needs the A not them it's definitely not a grade A studio um, but yeah, so we had volunteer workers putting the thing together across last year. There, were, there used to be a video on the um, the developer's YouTube channel talking about volunteer culture over at Fantastic. But their YouTube channel's now been purged along with their LinkedIn and along with their Discord um, as they attempt... And they've also put a post out saying that they can no longer continue as a game developer, saying that the day before didn't make enough money for them to continue. Um, and they've had to shut down. Now, it's only been four days, or it was four days when they first announced the closure since the game's announcement, um, or release day, sorry. So it's only been four days on the market. Um, um, the thing is that right now, Steam are offering refunds to everybody because it's not remotely the game that was advertised um, when it was first announced back in 2021. They announced it as an open-world zombie survival MMO, and it kind of just looked like The Last of Us meets The Division. There will be this big open space thing where you all interact um, with other players, and you take on zombies, hordes of zombies, um, with physics, and you have firefights inside different interiors. None of that stuff is in the game, uh, but you're lucky to find one enemy every 20 minutes by the looks of it. Um, and it's nowhere near um, the level of gameplay fidelity or rendering that was in those original T2 
teasers, um, which is leading a lot of people down the um, asset flip route, the idea that they would just buy the assets off the Unreal Store. Um, and you can buy various gameplay models off that store as well, like third-person shooting or a loot system or whatever, and then throw that stuff together as soon as possible or as quickly as possible to essentially cash in. Um, that largely seems to be the case, but like I said, it's all kind of unfurling right now anyway. Um, and as it stands right now, um, the amount of people that were playing at launch was 38,000 players, but it's come out that they had 200,000 sales. Um, right now, there are over 90,000 refunds that have happened. Um, and Steam have delisted the, well, they're, they're listing the game, but you can't buy it anymore. It's now listed as being in early access, which was, it was an early access review that IGN gave uh, a one out of 10. Um, but Steam are saying that you can get a refund even if you're outside of the two hour playtime window, which is their standard amount of time playing, which is another nefarious thing because in the version of the day before that it has uh, released, that game's intro is protracted and extremely long and full of conversations and full of little fetch quests. Go over here, talk to this character, go back and do this, uh, go set and up your And they're all named Chris. Yeah, they're all, <laughs> they're all just Wasteland Chris. Um, but it wants you to just spend time in that opening bit. To, and, and if you, I mean, I was going to try and give them the benefit of the doubt. I can't right now. Um, but, you know, it feels like that thing where they want to make players waste time to get through that two-hour window so they can keep the money. Right now, um, like I said, Steam are allowing refunds regardless. Um, but the sheer amount of stuff that's been taken down is insane. Um, your quick thoughts before I keep going with this, because there's more, there's more comments from the developers themselves. Yeah, so initial thoughts, your use of the word purge earlier is mm. hilarious because it makes it seem as if it's like some kind of Stalin-esque like political <laughs> kind of like maneuver. Um, it is just brazenly terrible. Like, yeah. I think there's a whole conversation we need to have here around, yet again, early access. We had these controversies before in the past. Um, but the fact that this game was able to get so much publicity from, you know, like the, the exclusive trailers from IGN, lots of YouTubers were hyping up this thing, basically like, wow, look at this thing. And it just kind mm. of felt like everyone got caught up in the, like the, the hysteria of like, oh, well, wow, wanna, open world, believe, right? like, like, like zombie believe. game. But if, we've been disappointed so many times over the years, yeah. Scott. You mentioned The Division earlier on before. That demo from Ubisoft, man. <laughs> the Division comparisons initially should have been setting everyone's alarm bells off because that thing didn't live up to expectations. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like if this is legitimately, if there is some, you know, to give the guys, like the, the developers, the benefit of the doubt, if they did attempt to actually make a game here and their company has been destroyed as a result of making that game, then I'm really sorry for everyone involved in there. However, from where I'm sitting right now, it very much looks like a case of we put together a bunch of different fake demos yep. to get people very, very excited. We blended together a few different genres that are in, you know, zombies are still the moment somehow, thanks to The Last of Us. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we can do The Division properly. Everyone seemed to look The Division. Mm -hmm. Um... And the end result is just kind of, it's 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 shocking. And I, I just find it interesting that it was able to get so much publicity. And there's kind of a conversation I guess we need to have here about like um, when outlets kind of become exclusive spaces to premiere things. You know, that kind of the discussion on, you know, video game criticism, video game kind of publishing and marketing. Um, does a trailer, an exclusive trailer for the day before. And again, it's all the, the main onus here is on the developers for making something yeah. that, you know, isn't real <laughs> like no. let's be clear here but at the same time you know what level of checks and balances and scrutiny needs to be in place for you know our big you know video game outlets and like you know big youtubers to basically have an exclusive trailer for this thing because the day before no one would be talking about the day before if its trailer hadn't been picked up at, you know by mm. ign by different outlets and then kind of like really just spammed everywhere by youtubers who got very excited about it mm. it just feels like there needs to be 
a better level of scrutiny applied to this before we get it because IGN is a huge platform and this isn't yeah, me dunking yeah. on IGN either like it, it's it's one of those things that you should be able to get an exclusive trailer from a game company for a game that actually exists mm-hmm. but at the same time it feels like they've like we've whipped up a hype machine here and the end result is that a lot of people have been duped into buying a game which hopefully they'll all get refunded for mm-hmm. um but it's just not a great look all around, is it? My thing is that it's such a black mark on the idea of trust in an industry that is already so smoke and mirrors. That is, and it is so and is also by design fundamentally not going to be. The, and it's not going to be the vision that someone set out to draw or paint or conceptualize or describe for years into development anyway. Like God of War 2018 only came together in the last few months of development. Um, there was a whole story that um, Corey Barlog talked about about when they showed Shuhi Ishida, um, who's one of the top brass over at PlayStation and he walked out of the demo um, because it was just not coming together very well and couldn't believe that's what they were doing and everything. Um, More so related to some of the more sort of thematic choices for the more matured version of Kratos but also Barlog talked about how the reality of game development you know things don't come together till the end. Um, You would like to think that if a studio says hey we have this cool ambitious project and we have the money to be able to pay you to um, showcase it they don't need to necessarily in IGN's case do a hands-on editorial for it but but trust trust should exist to some degree. Um, Go cool that thing looks cool we're assuming you're not pretending um, the uh, assets that you've put together to be able to make that demo that they are representative of what the game's going to be later on Um, and something like this when it all comes down and it falls apart just means that they'll be more apprehensive for potentially ambitious projects in the future Um, but is that the right thing that just needs to happen like obviously the go-to examples are No Man's Sky their Cyberpunk 2077 Um, both those games turned themselves around but they took years and years they also took money um, you know up front which was massively the wrong thing to do people still paid for broken products um and it i don't believe this is going to turn itself around like you know the the response on the dev side there's no one left to turn it around (laughs) well that's the thing and it's also worth throwing in here i said i had a little bit more to mention um that fantastic themselves before the game came out on december 4th only three days before launch um put a statement out over on social media just saying please don't accuse us of being scammers we've worked on it for five years the game's not an asset flip it's not a scam um (laughs) which ties in to the reality of um over on reddit there's a user called epic story 1989 who's went through the laborious process of looking up every single asset in the game and comparing it to the unreal store the epic store um, and just listing all of the asset prices and saying this is how they literally paid for and made the game um, complete with the dates that are associated with those assets when they were purchased um, which all lines up with the last two to three years it's not a five-year dev cycle um, in terms of, i mean maybe there was a version of the game that was thrown out before then whatever um, but still that overall idea of where a for something we're putting it together on the journalistic side um, there should be a way to showcase the game ahead of time because it fundamentally doesn't exist yet it can only be an early version of it um, but yeah it's, it's kind of on the developers and also um, the way the game was listed on Steam uh, until recently when it was taken down was that it was still listed as an open world MMO even though the reality of the game was more of an extraction shooter um, with very little AI implementation in regards to the zombies um, and even the servers you could pick a server to jump into but if you if it was full there was no like queuing system there was just a whole thing where you couldn't actually get into the game anyway um so it just seems like a whole mess a whole mess of volunteer employees who weren't paid and the reality of at least right now it seems like the developers themselves or whoever's at the top attempting to get away with the money that they have made before everybody gets their refunds yeah and like there was that whole thing i believe either earlier this year or it was last year when they were like we've had to delay the game because someone stolen the name for it or something as well it just 
it's 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 just really it's interesting how these games get picked up because obviously you know we love indie games love the idea of like you know something kind of generating success it doesn't have to have like a massive publisher behind mm. it um but it is interesting that like when when this this is the textbook example of what happens when like lots of attention falls on a smaller project and it ends up kind of <laughs> spiraling into the worst thing yeah. ever because in the best case scenario these dudes were completely out of their depth and they made something and then they were they panicked and gone blah because they've had like so much interest or whatever but the other you know the worst case scenario is that they've tried to like deceive people and dupe people yeah. into buying something either way it's uh, it's another hilariously bad release in 2023 you know, after we've had stuff like Cog Skull Island, Lord of the Rings Gollum, Redfall. Um, Redfall, like it's it's um it's just not very good. And I again, like it all comes down to me, like that we you know YouTube and like you know is a great space for games to you know for indie games to get you know the the, the name out there for people to get interested in them. Um, but this to me is like a really good example of like the negative effects of that when yeah. there is like zero scrutiny applied to these gameplay trailers. I mean, there was scrutiny. People were skeptical of the game when it was first released, like, well, revealed, sorry, when people were like, you know, oh, this doesn't look real. Remember Watch Dogs, mm. remember The Division, remember all this. So there is that level of scrutiny. It's just not coming from where these things are being hosted. And obviously now IGN have their one out of 10 review, you know, fair play. The game looks terrible. By all means do that. But it just, <laughs> it feels like there is something... There, there is it is kind of a weird situation for me where again like it, it, it falls like, on the developers to make sure that this thing is real yes <laughs> but yes. i'm also just kind of like how how did we get so caught up in this situation where a game like the day before where it, oh, i don't know like it's it's kind of just weird to me <laughs> no i think i think that's true i think like if you're someone as big as ign you can argue that there should be a way of, of vetting the projects that you're showing off and not necessarily just taking the money for the sponsorship deal um and that might not be as simplistic as it is it likely isn't anyway um but still like i said before like i think there is probably a way to put a game a version of the game together that just showcases a firefight in one location and says look look at this potential interior that will later be part of an open world and that open world just never comes together and you know years pass and things don't come together um all of this reminded me of abandoned do you remember that from 2021 yes um, there's like the silent hill style game where you had uh lead creator for san caraman was very much steering into all the hideo kojima silent hill comparisons and then it was kojima himself who had to get out there and just say look i have nothing to do with the project it's not a secret silent hill game um but that thing got as far as getting an abandoned trailer launcher on the playstation store where we could all download it everybody logged in at the same time to see the debut of what was supposed to be gameplay footage and then it wasn't anything it was the same teaser that had been shown i think it was a month or two beforehand and then caraman had to get out there and say look um i think a studio is called blue box studios or black box studios and just say oh look we've had some development issues we're going to delay the game we're getting there and that thing's just slowly disappeared um, the history of that particular studio, um, none of their games have actually ever come out. It was one of those things where they seem to always get a bunch of investor money and get a bit of buzz going. Abandon was the one that took off the most, um, but they have a worse track record, at least right now, than uh, Fantastic seem to, because Fantastic at least have uh, Prop Night, and uh, there's a game called Wild 8 that apparently is quite, well, it released anyway. Um, so they have previous titles that are out there. The last thing in regards to um, Fantastic is that right now, like I said, we're recording this um, as many things are breaking, is that they've changed their name on the Steam database um, to uh, 8 Points. Now, they've only done that for one of their games. Uh, I mentioned Wild 8 just before. If you go on the Steam listing for Wild 8, um, the developer now says 8 Points. So I wonder, and I guess all well, this will shake out over time, if they're changing their name. You to think try this is a, a Mr. Snrub situation? It, okay. 
<laughs> just a fantastic logo with a little mustache on. Just feel like it's not me at all. Um, but yeah, they, they've got some other business going on in regards to why they would actually change their name and what associations that brings about if the fantastic name ends up being worth, you know, less than mud. A whole thing that comes from this as well is that idea of, you know, say the likes of IGN, you know, this is all, all hypothetical. The likes of IGN take some money to showcase a trailer and they put it out there. Um, does that then prohibit them from being a bit more hands-on with the criticisms of said trailer? Or do they end up just waiting to see the finished game and getting hands-on with that and having more to talk about? Because until that point, it is a sponsorship deal. And it's not IGN on the only people who were showcasing the game. Obviously, Steam's had trailers on there too. Um, but that's an interesting talking point in itself of like if the, the sponsorship side of it is kind of just left alone with the understanding on the consumer side that that's a work in progress. That's something that's going to lead to something further down the line. Um, which is always a thing that I've wanted the industry to explore more myself anyway i kind of wish that there was there were way more eyes on the optics of game development with people understanding that that's not the game like you need to wait until day one to know what the hell you're actually buying yeah it's like it's nowhere near like a a kane and lynch situation back (laughs) in the days or whatever but it's very much a case of like you know you know pr blending together with kind of like journalistic integrity and kind of like looking at okay well we're a platform for scrutiny and criticism but most outlets at the same time, in what culture included are platforms mm. for like, you know, we do like a lot of PR stuff. There's a lot of sponsorships mm. involved, you know. It's all very transparent, I think. Like you can literally look at, like, yeah. and it, it, like, I think for most outlets it is the case. You have to legally declare when something is sponsored. You know, people want to share when they've got their exclusives, first looks or whatever. Um, for me in this in this instance, it just comes, it's it when it, when it all pans out ultimately like this, where not only like is one thing you know having a bad game you know mm-hmm. come out this is a thing that doesn't work and has already disappeared from the face of the earth after having like millions of people millions of eyeballs on it essentially mm-hmm. um so it, it's just one of those where it's like you have something that is both a platform for trailers pr promotion that sort of thing which again is really cool you can count that as a kind of journalism because you are sharing something with people and you are also you know getting involved and and, and asking people or whatever if it's an interview um, but for, for this particular instance, it does kind of, it, it's it's a difficult kind of quandary that you have here because at the same time, it's like, well, if you think there's something that's got a lot of buzz or is going to have a lot of buzz and you think, hey, this looks cool, we should share it with people, then you want to do that. But at the same time, if, you know, a team that doesn't have that much like prestige about it is coming about and basically being like, here's a bunch of money to share our game. But at the same time, you don't want to say no because you don't want to just <laughs> preclude your platform from people who, or from organizations that don't have as much sway as something like mm-hmm. a massive AAA publisher with, mm-hmm. you know, a good track record of actually releasing finished games. It's just an interesting way of looking at how these things have quickly spiraled. Like, you know, we, mm-hmm. we gave so much scrutiny to... Watchdogs, uh, sorry, for Ubisoft and Watchdogs and The Division, and again, CD Projekt Red was Cyberpunk 2077, um, and it just feels like those lessons were kind of completely forgotten about this because they were an indie team, and therefore mm. we think, oh, that means more trust, when essentially, yeah. you know, it doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's definitely, yeah, that's the thing, my, my thing's always going to come back to, like, gradients of trust, and you kind of want to 
I don't know. It's like um, it almost makes me sad on a human level. I'm like, does every single stage of this need to be absolutely vetted? Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it just does, and especially for this particular industry. Um, like I mentioned before, you do have No Man's Sky, you have Cyberpunk, and the amount of different titles this year um, that are just ridiculously bad, like the, the Kong Skull, like Game Mill as the publisher are quickly becoming known as someone who is just they're just farting games out. And it's like, like the well, new however, LJN. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, however, they can just get something over the finish line. They will. Um, I think that for for me, like the um, the sponsorship editorial coverage side of it to me has always been very cut and dry I always think it's quite interesting or sometimes kind of funny when like you know we'll get a, a sponsorship through for some game and we're sponsored by it and we uh, there's a cutaway during a video hey by the way this game's out um, you can do this 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 in it um, and it releases on December 5th and it's like and then it cuts back into the list and then maybe the day after we have a video and that same game is in there going like um, upcoming games that look really disappointing or whatever and then in the comments it'll be like but you guys just said this was great and I'm like no 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 we didn't like that's a sponsored segment they're paying for that like to me those lines are very very clear um, the, but I understand that like the reality of the way that comes across the optics of it the, those lines get blurred the way that we've always handled it at least on What Culture Gaming or whatever um, is to be very cut and dry even if it gets hilarious that like something needs to be covered as mm-hmm. a potential disappointment but they've offered a previous sponsorship that came in before the gameplay trailer came out or whatever it is and then we'll just do both and that always leads to really hilarious hot water with the publishers going oh my god you took the money but you also but said it was bad and again like, here like yeah. not, not to to a horn here those things are always layered within you know like videos itself and i think you know yeah. we would love to be able to upload full trailers and like put them on the channel because they make you know they, they do loads it's an easy of easy way to make we, money yeah. but it's, i don't think we were able to do that no. but it's an interesting thing when you have that you know that's in the context of a video as a clear sponsorship an exclusive first look trailer premiere it's exciting it's buzzworthy you want to get in on the action um i think it also showed up on the the fan fest thing that ign does every okay. year as well mm-hmm. like it's there, there, there are different contexts to this and I'm not saying that we shouldn't have shouldn't be able to premiere things or have exclusives or whatever because you know <laughs> they need the money we need to make this business viable you need uh-huh. to have this the, this in the way but it is interesting how that like that that in itself affords a lack of scrutiny and the platform goes from being this is a thing to we are now promoting something which is fine this is a part of the job this is part mm-hmm. of the industry that we work in mm-hmm. um but when again, when it when it just pans out like this, it it and and again you have the you have the one out of ten review at the end of the day, which is fine. You know you can put that in the same bracket as those including a sponsorship, and then also being in like a next thing, being like, oh, it's actually looking quite disappointing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still it, forgetting the fact that you like contributed to a hype swell behind something mm-hmm. that doesn't exist. So I think that is an interesting thing to look at in terms of. I don't think there are any easy answers. I don't think there are any easy answers to how you deal with it. No, I think that's like that's just a reality of the transactional nature of it. It's like the company comes to X uh, outlet and says, we will pay you money to put the, the trailer on your particular platform. We know that you get X amount of audience views or they tell them you have this amount of views and they go, cool, they'll pay you that money. We take that money, the trailer goes out and whatever happens afterwards, that's on the audience. That's on the um, the hype generates itself. Like unless they're going out of their way going like, hey, by the way, there's, this is the coolest trailer this week and you've got to see it. And they're doing that outside of the agreed sponsorship contract. Then 
that's where it gets all weird and hairy. Um, but it's very rare that I mean, IGN didn't seem to go out of their way unless it was unless that fan fest thing was their own choice to spotlight the game, and then they were spotlighting something that they didn't know about. Um, then it gets really weird. But um, yeah, to me, it's cut and dry, and to a fault. Like I've been in so many conversations with so many publishers about the reality of what we've said about a game when they've just paid us two months prior, um, you know, to, just to do a sponsored segment, um, which is always a very specific cutaway. And, and my point is always just pointing at the advert and saying, you paid four words to be read out. That is what we did. Um, the opinions are our own. We will then say the honest thing. Um, but I think that's all valid. And I think that the... Um, what was it? The Gamergate stuff back in the day, like that was Ugh. one of the original attempts to um, shine a light in fifty different directions. But one of them that was at least worth um, the progressive side of it was the the reality of games journalism, even though that thing was an absolute mess. Yeah, no one, no, no one involved in that quote unquote movement had a clue, dude. They're like no. stupid. This is a complete. <laughs> I feel like this is like a different conversation. It's not like that. That was like mired in like misogyny and like discrimination oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and whatever. You know, there is a, there is a difference. I'm just I'm trying to extract one yes. one noodle of positivity. Totally, from the pile. totally understand. <laughs> Whereas with here, it's like looking at like we've we've got a situation here where we've we've got a hype generating machine mm. that has just spun out a pile of poo at the very end of it. And it's interesting to look at that and interrogate, okay, well, if you have a platform that is both, you know, meant to scrutinize things, it's also heavily involved in the promotional side of things. And if you look on IGN's YouTube, it is mostly like trailers and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. and going at it from that angle. Again, this isn't this is dog pilot IGN, by the way, either. No, IGN's no. great. We love IGN. But it's just an interesting thing to look at and 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 think about, well, do we need to have more scrutiny in place before we give that kind of huge platform to a game like the day before. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mm. Which again, want to be double clear, it is on the developers of these games to actually make something that's real and not scam <laughs> their audience. But it is just interesting how that kind of hype swell generated and 
how you know the conversation. I don't know. It's it's one of those. No, I I would love like a, a version of the industry, some alternate multiversal timeline version of this, where like something like that the original day before trailer gets given to IGN or GameSpot or whoever it is, and they go, "Cool, we'll show it, but we need to see the game running as it is right now. We want to actually be able to play it, and we'll do a hands-on session right now, um, and we'll then then we'll track the game as it's as it's developing. It's not that we're going to hold you to a standard, but if you want continued sponsorship um, or continued coverage, then we need to be able to have something that verifies the reality of what's coming together. My biggest blind spot for the industry overall is making of stuff. Like, you never see it. You just never see it. Everything is NDA'd up the wazoo, and mm-hmm. you never see the reality of how a game gets put together. Um, and it means that people like Fantastic can take advantage of that. Um, but also, it means that you never see the reality of Crunch. You never see the reality of the art departments, the composers, and everybody else. I just want more eyes on the making of games. And I think that would clear everything up. Um, and, and obviously, on the audience side, you would know, like, oh, okay, so they're building the third-person shooter model. It kind of looks like that. And you've got the artist going, like, well, we're aiming for this. Um, and, the, and the coders and we want to influence we're pulling influence from this and that um, that would be a much more honest through line delivery of a video game because um, you see making ofs of TV shows and movies and hey day one shooting we're kicking off like that just never happens in games maybe you'll get a, a, a JPEG saying we've started development but you'd never get the hands on fly on the wall stuff yeah and I, that to me is emblematic of where we are in kind of the business grind set era of mm. multiple industries at the minute where there is less interest from businesses to spotlight the creative process than they used to be and again i'm gonna as a, as a film person I'll use the example of like physical media like back in the day special features were the thing on yeah. dvds and blu-rays you would get commentaries making of documentaries interviews etc and you still get that on a lot of the boutique labels and even some of the main releases now but even then you know with the rise of streaming I think that aspect has been kind of put to one side. And you'll even today, you'll look at some physical releases that don't really have that many special features. Oh, no. Um, and, you know, special features on like video games. I remember back in the day, you could get like dev diaries and like fun little skits that people were doing behind the scenes. This to me boils down to the idea of if it's not immediately making a tangible dollar amount then why is it worth pursuing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that is a cultural thing that we need to look at in terms of workplaces and the industry overall where, because I think people are still interested in looking at the behind the scenes processes of these things. So. It's just not, because it's not like immediately profitable. It's an extra thing that is done. There's less of a willingness to document that process, which I forget, was, was it Double Fine who did the really good yes. documentary? Yeah, you think yeah, you're yeah, about yeah. to say something on that? Always, oh dude, I love the Double Fine documentaries. There's Double Fine Adventure, and um, I forget what you call the newest one, but um, they showcased how they made Broken Age, uh, and then Double Fine Odyssey, I think it's called, or Psycho Odyssey, um, is how they made Psychonauts 2. Um, those are the best in the industry, just day by day, flying the wall, lots of interviews, lots of footage, um, showing how something comes together day by day. Um, I love the stuff that Digital X Streams have been putting together as well, about the history of Atari, where you can play through the builds of games as they came together. I love that stuff so much. Um, And the making of Karataka came out this year as well, which is another old old, uh, hidden gem kind of game. Um, But yeah, so much more could be done in that front. I was going to mention the Game Awards when you were saying about chasing the dollar over showcasing the creative. Um, Just super quick, but it's like that crystallizes the problem where you have um, best composer, best indie game, best um, art director, 
direction, all handled on a sidebar while Jeff Keighley just rattles through them. Um, and the reality of it only being about 11 minutes of award ceremonies in a three-hour TV, a uh, three-hour show, because they have too many sponsorship dollars that they've <sighs> said yes to. That, I, I didn't stay up to watch the Game Awards, and I don't, and I'm, I'm sure you've already like done a pod on it. Like, yeah, me But like, it. I just wanted to say right now, like that from from the outside looking in, just occasionally glancing over on like social media, looking mm. at stuff that had come out of that. Um, it looked like the most navel gazy, most terrible awards <laughs> ceremony ever. And like the idea of like, you know, in a year where <laughs> the industry has been rocked by like layoffs and lots of hardship, the fact that like people were being told to wrap things up as they were paying tribute to like deceased former colleagues and yeah, friends the game, and yeah. like just groveling towards Hollywood celebrity to, to reel stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself is another thing, you know, we, we so much of this industry is dedicated to promotion, and you could argue that award ceremonies for film and TV and music are the exact same thing, mm. but at the same time, it feels so much more transparently aggressive in this yeah. space currently. Um, and that in itself is, is frustrating. You know, it's not really the game awards. It's the, it's the game. It's the, he might as well call it the game adverts. Like it's not it was like, just, yeah, it was, at the, it was a winter game fest. Like it was just what he did in the summer, but for a different time period. And like, yeah, you had, um, you know, game of the year goes to Baldur's Gate three, but like you said, they were given 30 seconds. Then it said, please wrap it up after 15 seconds. It starts flashing and it's like, get off the stage, get off the stage kind of thing. Um, but the bigger issue with it, at least to me is something that's been dogging gaming for decades, which is gaming's inferiority complex, which is all always gaming isn't worthwhile by itself it needs to chase movies it needs to do it needs to bring hollywood in and get the actors in because that's the only way to legitimize things um and it's it's complete bs like you know we've the gaming's had its own landmark releases um many times over and you can go back to the 90s the 80s whatever you need to but um that stuff is really really annoying when you said about how much time was given to just um you know hey we've got um timothy chalamet or we've got Simulu or whatever like great people but like why are we not showcasing um you know the celebrity quote-unquote figures the lead creatives that have brought these games together um that whole award show could have been the revival the the resurrective sort of spotlight on the industry just saying look over 10,000 people have lost their jobs but we need to celebrate the work that they did put in um, and were able to put in and just showcase the reality of gaming not just this weird sponsorship fest where like sure the trailers were fun but it's not what we're going in theory it's not what we're yeah. going there I mean there should be like I, I'm not saying that the game awards shouldn't have trailers because I like trailers we all love trailers we all love a good trailer but it just feels to me like in that in that situation Jeff got the the ratio of promotion to celebration and also you know raising awareness of this industry completely wrong it, it yeah. never more did that event feel like someone who was just a passive kind of engager in the audience um than someone who was actually like able to scrutinize and be familiar with the industry or whatever it just it felt so transparently you know game dev blazer pr it was really annoying yeah another thing as well is that like because i didn't watch it live i've been i've been a sick boy for the last sort of week same or so. I've had the i know <laughs> we're on the recovery trail we're gonna make christmas damn it but um but yeah i remember waking up the morning uh, after it and my thought process wasn't i'll see who's won it was i'll see what they've shown which is very, very indicative of how, you know, you go into the Game Awards now to some degree for those trailers, but I think you can do both. I think you can easily do both. But that is the same thing, you know, on a purely pragmatic level, people are more interested in what gets announced. The, the, the you yeah. know, recognition and whatever and veneration of certain projects, you know, it it's a good thing to have, but most people 
Um, are probably, you know, secure in their own opinions and tastes and most looking forward to, like, they can acknowledge, oh, yeah, no, it's great that people got recognized, but also what mm. is coming next. And that is, you know, mm. you can say that's like a shame because it is a shame. But at the same time, I feel like the most most of the discussion about the award ceremony itself and like who won what was from very like people just being like, oh, I'm annoyed that Spider-Man didn't win or I'm annoyed <laughs> that this was said about this game. And it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those where I felt like it just it, there was just a whole dark cloud cast over that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I some of that is just, oh, sorry, just, right. I was just yeah, I think some of that is just because the idea of the talent and the awards were treated as being discardant. So all you had mm-hmm. to talk about and get riled up about was the trailers because that was like ninety five percent of the show. If you if you actually pie charted it, it was like. That that was the thing, like by far. Yeah, yeah. So it would be weird if the Oscars did that sort of stuff. Like the Oscars, like it has like their own skits, and you could argue that the quality of the ceremonies has declined massively <laughs> over the the past decade or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. they, they don't. It would be weird if the Oscars was a place for movie production promotion. Well, I thought of that because I was like, I would. I haven't watched the Oscars in a few. I mean, it years. is a place of promotion. I should clarify that's a really dumb thing I just said. Like it is promoting <laughs> movies that have released. Yes. You know, it's getting down for the, the the home physical media releases. It's all in excess. It's basically one last PR circuit for the movies yeah. that came out over the last year. But I certainly mean in terms of advertising future movies. You know, well, movies it's almost that are like upcoming. If, yeah, yeah, totally. Like I, I took what you meant, what you said to mean like if the Oscars had more of like Super Bowl trailers energy. Yes, where it's yeah. like um, you know you, you're going into it knowing that something's going to be there. Um, I would watch more of the Oscars in theory if they had. Hey, it's the latest trailer from A24 or whatever the hell. Like something that gets me in. Um, that would make me watch, but I don't think it should ever come at the expense of the people actually putting it together. And I do think you can do both. Um, I just don't think it's hard. Because um, how much do you, especially younger audiences, and we were the same way when you're when you're growing up, experiencing video games, being wowed at just the reality of what you're controlling or seeing or whatever. And then you go, hey, by the way, that person made that from zeros and ones and they coded it. Like that, that you can easily transition that across and like, look how much they've achieved. Um, I think that's a, that'll be a cool way to go forward. Um, next news item down. 20 odd minutes in or whatever the hell we're on um, it's written up over on Game Infinity but this is taken from the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League's official Discord Rocksteady is saying that they are planning to add an official sorry planning to add an offline story mode to Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League via an update later in 2024 they've said more information will come later after the game's out um, but this has already been taken by fans as an acknowledgement that that game's online servers uh, online mode or the servers themselves will not last very long so it seems like the long term existence of the game will be in offline mode anyway yeah I mean I mean, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation for them. If they didn't put it in, then people would be like, well, you're going to consign your game to oblivion. If you do put it mm-hmm. in, the people are going to say that, well, you have no confidence in the online service to sustain themselves. Whatever. It, it's the sensible decision to make. You know, no one yeah. wants to have rocks, a, rocks, a, a new Rocksteady game get lost into the ether and become unplayable simply because you can't connect to a server. You can mm-hmm. play the entire thing single player, so there is no reason why this shouldn't be in the game. I would argue it should be there at launch. So, But, you know, at least that it's, it's coming post launch that is that is some redeemable aspect to it i suppose you know mm-hmm. it, 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 i can't i can't be mad at this decision it, it's it's the right thing to do oh no it definitely we, is we need to have this this in there um it's just again it's another one of those decisions where you just kind of like oh why wasn't it just not like a different <laughs> game to begin with anyway but yeah whatever it makes me like reading this i was like yeah maybe i'll check that out because then it doesn't feel dogged by all the weird uh, imbalancing and patching and uh, potential player exploits that you get with an online 
you know, multiplayer mode, loot systems, whatever it is, if you can drill it down and be like, no, it's offline, it's, you're trying to, I don't know if they go in and, and rework the bosses so you don't have to fundamentally rely on multiple players, like if it's a raid boss or something like that, like, there's maybe a way that the offline version is a bit more palatable in terms of you're getting a more curated experience or, or whatever it I mean, is that from, learns all the lessons from the first From week. what's been, well, it's Sean Curry then, from what's been shown off, <laughs> from what's been shown off, the boss battles are traditional kind of like, you would be flying around in the city, but they look like mm. traditional things that you could take on, you know, on your own. I don't think it's like going to be like a Destiny style situation. Right, um, right. At least from what I've seen of the game so far. I mean, it's mm. one of those where it's like, it's, it's kind of the Gotham Knight situation where it's skirting those live service elements but it's still you know completely playable as like a single player thing so mm-hmm. you know kudos to rocksteady for actually making it you know single player and preservable you know yeah. um after it after it comes out um because that is a good thing we don't want games to disappear no and also that means that kevin conroy's final performance will actually be available rather than it going away with the if there is if the if the fan base isn't there and i guess we'll wait and see next year um at least there'll be another place that that thing can live on um let's just end talking about mad max uh, actually sorry no we'll talk about my max in a second i want to know what you think about gta 6 because you went in last week yeah what's i mean, the man thinking i'm super excited it's gonna be the biggest <laughs> it's gonna be the biggest game ever i was literally yeah. one of those that's like i'm one of those rockstar fans that's like oh gta isn't my favorite rockstar series i'm a fan yeah. of rockstar i prefer red dead i love la mm-hmm. noir obviously that was developed by team bondi of the max Payne 3 game everything yeah. i love about rockstar is more transparently seen in those titles to me than what we get in gta that said, GTA 6 trailer looks absolutely amazing. The level of graphical fidelity and detail <laughs> on display looks ridiculous. I can see a little bit more of that Red Dead influence seeping in with the character-driven Bonnie and Clyde inspired mm. story that we've got going on um, with Lucia and I forget the dude's name. Jason. Um, Jason. And then you have like that, that gorgeous, you know, Vice City setting. I was listening to the Nami Vice soundtrack the other day because I'm that <laughs> pumped. I dived back into GTA 5 and played Same. a bit of GTA Online as well with my cousin and we were doing like some different heisty things on there so mm-hmm. yeah you know I, i'm fully on board i'm i'm, I'm very excited it's a, just a, it's just a good time for everyone you know we're getting a new gta game it's great for the industry everyone is going to have to move away because it's a giant asteroid of a game crashing down in 2025 <laughs> um and yeah no I, i'm looking forward to it i kind of see more of the different gameplay details that we're getting i want to see what how the car driving physics work i want to see what activities yeah, yeah. you can get up to um and yeah it's, it's i'm just i'm super excited and i'm curious as well because going back into GTA 5, it's interesting looking at that and seeing all the stuff that has aged really well, all the stuff that hasn't aged as well, mm-hmm. um, and I'm curious to see how Rockstar, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a massive maturation po- uh, moment for them as a studio, I'm excited to see how they carry that forward in here, because I really could do with less of the inane, irreverent humour, which right. I just, has never really been what I like GTA for, I much prefer, you know, the different aspects of it. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, I'm curious about the tone, um, the vehicles. Like you said, like I, I hated the way GTA Four felt, um, and then when they did it in Five, they sort of fixed it. But it was like to me, you almost had to rely on Franklin's boost thing to like navigate traffic a lot better. Mm. Um, and it's like those little character powers. I wonder if they bring them back. And going back to GTA Five because I redownloaded it uh, last week. I still hate the way that thing moves for the most part, like when you're on foot. Yeah, like just you just float so around slow. a lot. The interaction menu as well, where you have to like press down a touchpad to like equip body armor and scran yeah. snacks so you don't die. That and stuff needs to like, change. Why is right on the D-pad or whatever, like the way that you pull levers and interact with the environment, it's like one of the D-pad options. I'm like, what the hell is this, the yeah. UI? 
Um, but yeah, it's like I I didn't I kind of hadn't realized how much I missed GTA or how much I, I'd missed open world sandbox stuff. And it sort of reminded me of like Sleeping Dogs and Saints Row and like when the, when the genre it used to be a whole genre and now it's like everybody just stays out the way because you're only going to get compared to GTA and you're going to fail. Um, and so I kind of I'm just looking forward to another open world sandbox game. Really, really hope because I didn't see it in the trailer. I really hope that they bring back the dual wielding from Red Dead Two. I really Ooh. want to be able to you know mix and match different weapons. Give me the full. Arnie treatment. Give me an assault rifle in one arm and a pistol in the other, and I can just go around like fanning dudes down. I, I need that in my life. I need to have the John Woo fantasy, like Max Payne for it. I need to be diving oh. through window windows. Windows. Can you be diving through the windows? Like, and then I need to be like, you know, just blowing. Just. Fuck, Oh mate, if it, I mean I love the way Max Payne Three feels. To me, that was the last good feeling Rockstar game. I know that's like a blasphemous thing because people love the slow stuff. It's just not for me. Uh, Max Payne Three definitely had some of that weight, but I felt like he was a bit more responsive than the likes of Michael or Trevor or whatever in GTA Five, um, and then Arthur in Red Dead. So I'm curious, like how much is that their signature feel now, or how much do they want it to prioritize them, um, you know, responsiveness? Because I've also been playing Vice City, the original Vice City again, because um, the definitive editions had a bunch of patches and stuff, and so that thing is twitchy as hell, but. Personally, I prefer it because at least I can respond on the fly. Yeah. At least I know that my inputs are being read. I just need the gameplay to be better because, like, with, with Red Dead 2, it's a little bit easier because, like, you're using single shot weapons largely mm. um, and you can, like, headshot and lock on and whatever. With GTA 5, the gunplay is so repetitively aim at person, move the thumbstick yeah. up as you fire to get the headshot. We need to have a little bit more dynamism in there. Obviously, in Red Dead 2, you could, like, wound people and, like, shoot, mm. like, disarm them and stuff. We need more of that in, in GTA 6. And again, like, I'm just excited to see... I'm excited to see what Rockstar have cooking up, have, 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 what they're cooking up. I'm upset that it got leaked early because it kind of, like, not only kiboshed our plans, it's, like, a massive, like, crap moment for Rockstar. Um, so I hope no more leaks hit them. And <laughs> I'm just looking forward to seeing what they come up with. This is, like, the first time that I'm going to be involved in a proper, like, GTA launch in my professional career as someone oh, who nice. covers this stuff. Um, so I'm excited about that and I'm just excited uh, to be able to be like hey I'm going to get GTA 8 launch because I'm old enough to get it now and uh, no, one can, no, one, no one can tell me no <laughs> <laughs> I remember like yeah I came into the industry and GTA 5 was one of the first things I wrote an article about um, it was like a couple of weeks after it had launched or whatever um, but yeah it's it, the last 10 years of Rockstar have been fascinating and yeah seeing which different lessons they're going to put into the new one um, will be a thing let's talk about Mad Max um, only because you picked up the Mad Max game from 2015 on a recent sale and I love that game so I will give that game the time of day how you find it yeah it's uh, it's on sale currently on the playstation store for 3.99 i think the offer... we're not sponsored by them no <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think the offer ends at the end of the week so if you're curious i mean i, d- I watched the furiosa trailer so i was like oh man i'm in the mood for some you know to be shiny and chrome so i picked up the mad max game because i heard you you'd recommended it to me numerous occasions before I, um, I heard good things i'm about like an hour in so i've just done the intro and stuff and i've, I've chosen the body the chassis for the for the magnum opus and i'm kind of like cool. starting that off so yeah what it's interesting have um i haven't actually customized the beard yet i've only like Ooh. a little bit in um yeah. so yeah no it's it's i can't i don't have enough to develop like a full rounded impression i was playing it last night and got very sleepy because i got that covid fatigue <laughs> um yeah. so i ended up watching a movie called the driver directed by walter hill which is really really good by the way you should go check it out if you haven't already r.i.p mm-hmm. ryan o'neill um but mad max yeah i have been enjoying it it feels very weighty um the, it's such a 2015 game though like going oh, yeah. through it i'm like wow if you'd asked me to like pinpoint the year of when this game come out it's so <laughs> obviously 2015 you got that arkham influence <coughs> with like the free flow combat 
Um, and like, yeah, but the car combat from what I've played so far seems really cool and punchy. Mm-hmm. I like the survival mechanics that they're introducing. Um, I met a guy called Scabarus Scrotus, which is great. Is. And I think Chub Bucket is the guy who's like your ally. He's on your, um, on your so hood. if I keep on discovering more funny names over the course of the game, that three ninety nine will have already, you know, justified its 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 absence from my wallet. <laughs> yeah, my thing with that game was always like, yes, it plays it pretty safe in terms of like you got the Arkham combat, you know, you're countering on one button. But I, the weight and the fact that they just give completely and completely to that tone when you knock a dude out, like you absolutely flatten them. And some of the finishes that you get, you're like you're doing like belly to back suplexes and clotheslines, and you're like whacking dudes with like um like tire irons and stuff. And it's just this really great gritty oily. Uh, combat system that then goes across into the vehicles and it's just, it just is that initial Mad Max tone like it's so messed up um, all the body horror that's kind of happening with some of the, the, the individuals and everything um, I just love being in that world and it's like it is very simplistic to play but I just I thought it it, it was just so much fun like I just yeah. absolutely loved the, the overall feel of it the car upgrade system reminds me a bunch of Black Flag's upgrade mm. system as well which I'm mm-hmm. massively down for as someone who adores that game so yeah I'm looking forward to exploring more of it I'm kind of just rotating between that GTA and uh, Alan Wake remastered and then I'm going to replay oh, Control and then I'm going to get Alan Wake 2 at some point next year <laughs> <laughs> and have you last thing for Mad Max is have you, had a, have you been in a storm yet no not yet no oh You've got, you've got, you've got, you've got to take on a convoy. You've got to jump a convoy. Um, that's how the car combat really comes to life. Mm. And then you've got to survive a storm. The storms in Mad Max are legitimately some of the best so, storms in game. I do have a question. Can yes. you get the little funny whirly bird from Mad Max Two in it and fly around? You cannot. You can only get ground vehicles. Dude, honestly, that's yeah. that's such. You know what? I, if I someone give me a bunch of money, right? I'm gonna make a game. <coughs> it's gonna be the Wacky Races game for the Dreamcast, except Ooh. it's Mad Max and it's on the PlayStation Five, <laughs> and everyone gets to make their own Mad Max vehicle. And you'll have little flyy ones, you'll have little ground ones, big trucks, little nippy like bikes and stuff. Someone, hey, just just do it. Warner Brothers, do get, get me on. Get me on. I'm gonna gonna pitch this game to them. <laughs> yeah, do uh, Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts with the Wacky Races IP, and, and then, we'll all make a different. Game. Oh yeah, we'll we'll just throw Turbo Terrific, the Turbo Terrific yeah. into. But P- is he Peter Perfect in the Turbo Terrific? Peter Perfect. Yeah, I always love Captain Caveman. And then he was always my Penelope favorite. Pit Stop. We'll get them in yeah. the Mad Max universe. We'll get them in there. <laughs> It's about time someone did. I have no way to segue this into an outro, but this has been the wind-up. I've been Scott Tailford. That's been you and Patterson. That's my best <laughs> Muttley voice. That's very good. As we survive yet another week, thank you all very much for listening, and we'll catch you throughout the week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.